Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders in the world to share with you how to scale your B2B SaaS business from 2 million to 100 million ARR. Today, we have very special guests with us. Uh, their names are Megan Neal and Roger Biddle. They are the founders of uh, Limitless. Roger and Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you for having Thank us. Yeah, we would love to get to know more about both of you. By the way, it's the first edition ever of our 90 plus episodes that we have two founders uh, together. Uh, and so that's, that's a very special uh, one. So and I would love to know more about <laughs> how, how did you end up starting uh, Limitless and, uh, and maybe uh, decide who, who would like to start and a little bit of your personal uh, story. Yeah, so maybe we should um, start by just explaining a little bit about ourselves and yep. our backgrounds and how we came yep. together. Uh, and then maybe tell you a little bit about the story behind Limitless and uh, how it was founded. So um, effectively, Megan and I have actually been in the outsourced contact center industry for uh, the past 25 years. Um, wow. We've actually worked together um, for the last 18 years um, it helps. <laughs> as a team yeah. um, um, and we've worked uh, each of us across different areas of that industry in terms of operational uh, delivery, um, account management, um, IT product development uh, and also um, sales, selling into uh, large enterprise uh, businesses. Um, and we uh, work together uh, as a team of four um, principal directors and owners um, of an outsourced contact centre business in the UK uh, that was called Careline Services. Um, and we built that business from you know, the late 90s uh, and sold it in 2011 uh, to uh, the Yeah, thank you. Um, to, to the Hinduja group. And um, after a period of a few years, um, uh, we had an earn-out period, and, uh, and I'll let Megan in a moment pick up, pick up the story of what happened next. Um, but we also, along that journey, um, span out uh, a different company, uh, another product company called Semaphone, uh, which is actually uh, in the PCI security space. Um, it's a separate business run by a separate management team. Um, but we were again, the two of us, along with our other two colleagues from Careline, uh, the founding shareholders of, of that business. So um, very excited about the future for them. Um, and then finally, I think something that we both unites both of us is that we're both very passionate um, about our industry and about customer service. Um, the world of providing service, with it, whether it's contact centers or right. Or in the future, other resources um, sourced by other way, other means. Um, and yeah, we're very keen to tackle some of the biggest issues around low pay, uh, high attrition, um, and and how companies can access new, new talent pool. So that's something that you know really unites um, us uh, amongst many other things. So, yeah, and um, so did so really. I mean, it's been great working with someone um, for so long, and then also looking to spend the next part of our careers together. Uh, super exciting. We 
um, and why we come together actually. I mean, I think in terms of being co-founders, it's really important to have such a strong relationship and clearly we have. So our skill sets um, are, are very uh, good together. So I'm responsible for running the operation, running our IT um, and product function, and Roger runs our commercial and sales strategy. Combination of skill sets, we continue to develop um, but equally, you know, we, we feel we're more powerful together, which is why we're Sounds sounds amazing, and I think it's a very good point to kind of start discussing a little bit your uh, scale up journey. Uh, not only in this business, also in previous business, you, you can also share your uh, your experience. Um, but it's it's really the importance uh, of not becoming the bottleneck of growth of the company. So as founders, as CEO, as VPs, as COO, we all need to keep growing uh, quicker uh, than the company. And how, how did you do this transition to the leadership team and how do you structure the team from one growth stage to another? Um, I, think, I think that's a great question. Um, um, we could, I, and I think uh, in terms of how, um, how we structured the team, I think what I would say is that um, importantly, it's an evolution and that's the way to, to think of this. Um, you know, three years ago when the two of us founded the business, uh, it, there were two of us. Um, we then became three when we hired our, our CTO. And of course, over three different funding rounds that Limitless has been through, raising over $10 million. Um, we have uh, been building a platform from the ground up. We have been uh, building a team uh, throughout that period. And I think um, in terms of how it's structured, of course, that there would be various nuances to everybody listening. So I'm kind of trying to think about sort of any key learnings and messages to give here is that to recognize that um, looking back and reflecting is that you have a structure that you're aiming towards and that's always a useful thing to have which is a, a goal of where you can see how your business will be structured and you need to remain flexible to your thinking all the way um, but you're moving towards that structure and then realize that actually at the start um, the same person may actually be carrying multiple roles within the company and that, that's okay because you're cutting your cloth in terms of your cost base accordingly and you're sharing those skill sets across those different disciplines. And to really to the audience to recognize that that's okay and that's very normal. Um, we're actually, and I'm particularly super pleased because since our last funding round, we've got to the first big checkpoint uh, in that evolution where we actually, those different teams now all have a very seasoned, a very experienced leader in each of those roles. Mm -hmm. Our functions happen to be uh, sales, uh, products, I should say, sales, operations, finance. Um, and we have, have leaders in each of those um, functions. Yeah, I think just to add in the early days, really we were for maximum flexibility. Um, in the people that joined the business, and it was all people that we'd worked with before, which is the luxury of um, those early months and years. Um, 
it helps a lot uh, because trusted people, um, but in particular in our dev team. So our dev team, we knew clearly the product was going to be critical in terms of the success of the business, um, and it needed to be high quality, but also be able to adapt to the needs of our clients. We work with large scale enterprise businesses who do have and can have quite specific needs, certainly in the early days when you're developing your product. Um, so our route was to build a very high quality um, uh, in-house onshore dev team uh, made up of rock stars, genuine uh, developer rock stars. And then to support that with an outsourced relationship um, in India. And we had a background of working with uh, Indian outsourcing organizations, so I actually felt very comfortable with that decision. And it's been incredibly successful for us. It is a huge effort um, to make that work, um, never to be underestimated. If they are part of the family, they're part of the team, they just happen to be in India. Um, and most of the people in that team have been with us since day one, even though it's an outsourced um, development operation. So that, I think, was very key to us, just leveraging our background in outsourcing and everything that we did. And also the second thing was taking our ethos of being a crowdsourcing business and not just applying that to the product that we built, but applying that to all decisions we make in the resourcing in our business. So, and we used that to support us as we needed to be agile and scale up to get to our team size, which is around about 45 right now. Um, and a lot of the people that have started with us in agile, flex, crowdsourcing support roles have actually joined us to become full-time employees and have grown up with the business. So it's provided a great feeder and you know, crowd for us is everything. So, and we live and breathe by the crowd. And then I think lastly, um, I, I would add um, in terms of um, any kind of other tips that have um, uh, helped us along along the way here that we reflect back. Um, I think we very much um, wanted to create a set of values in the business and behaviours um, that we felt were how we how we wanted to work, how we would wanted the business to to operate. Uh, under. And we did that not just the two of us, um, but we shared that responsibility with the team at the time to build those behaviours and values. And then we've looked at using those um, to recognise that we will employ lots of different kinds of people with different kinds of skills, but there will be a commonality around uh, our business culture, uh, philosophy and our ethos where uh, we can get that harmony of everybody kind of working under the same priorities, the same goal, and working to the same values. Uh, and that's something that, as, as founders, is really dear to our hearts. Um, and it served us well in previous businesses, so we wanted to instill that here. Absolutely. I think that this is really something even more difficult sometimes in a services company and kind of bringing... Uh, all those set of values and the culture really helps to to scale the business and also to make people feel more empowered and more able to scale the business faster because if anything needs to come to the founders to be decided then it's become again very difficult to to scale and i know that you guys travel a lot so <laughs> it really doesn't help also in your uh, energy management side um and what was one of or, or the most difficult VP, or VP to hire so far of those elements that you start building um, the leadership team uh, upon? So what was the most difficult VP to hire? 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think um, given uh, the, what we've just described about the way in which the, the business has grown up and the capability that's grown up through the business and us being able to um, target our, you know, our superstars to, to make the Limitless Dream Team. Um, it's really been our sales uh, uh, leader that has been probably the toughest to bring into the organization. We've been a, a founder-led sales function with very capable people uh, supporting us up until now. We're really um, at the stage where we needed to create a formal sales structure, create the cookie-cutter approach because we're at that inflection point of just um, uh, delivering on those uh, metrics that the um, the next stage will want to see. Um, so SVP of sales um, was, I wouldn't say a difficult role to fill um, because we have a large network and we knew lots of people, but actually it was a role that we really took incredibly seriously and took our time over and made sure that we took the right person in. Um, bearing in mind the stage of business that we're at, and of course that's very difficult because there are excellent sales leaders everywhere um if you you uh, have an attractive product and business which we hope you do um but ultimately you need someone at our stage of business that is able to define requirements um uh, manage a team but also still be a, a player manager and that's someone at that hungry stage of their life where they are looking to really make an impact and, and make uh, make a difference uh, that's really what we were looking for that that cultural fit and we're thrilled that we found the person yeah. and they've recently joined yeah. us yeah, spend spend time looking for the person that's going to be the next game changer, not the person that's uh, perhaps uh, been the game changer for the last ten years. Um, and it's a tough one to find, but if you find that magical person, they're the ones going to take you on the journey um, that you want to go on. And, and this is a very important muscle and usually very difficult to founders to practice. And I think that you have those kind of 25 years of, of experience in, in this muscle <laughs> that helps a lot, which is really to finding the right people to the right seats uh, across the entire leadership team. And this is incredibly important. And I, I like to kind of align the fundraising process of dating with investors for a long time before the fundraising itself happened to the same with VP. So kind of getting to know them in your case, I think it's it's a huge advantage to already know very well the people that we work with and that we can almost communicate without speaking, uh, which makes everything uh, faster. <laughs> Just look to each other and sometimes not even needed to look to understand what that person would do in a certain uh, situation. Absolutely, but uh, also to add that we have a a very good blend of people we've never worked with before. Um, and that those people uh, are a mixture of people that are um, perhaps inside the circles of the initial people that we've recruited. So they are trusted uh, to the second person, if that makes sense. Um, I do think it's very important um, for entrepreneurs you know, watching to also recognize uh, that as well as seeding with those very trusted people that you bring in new ideas and creativity. Absolutely. And, um, and let's bring now a, a topic that is uh, highly difficult to, to practice, which is to 
kind of killing everything that is not important and doubling down on what is really important, which is the topic of focus. Nowadays, to do this kind of exercise of prioritization, uh, it is a trend to use OKRs. Uh, there was a lot of trends in the past, balance scorecards, objectives and, and, and KPIs only, uh, different tracking systems. Um, and of course, the goal is really to define who is this very valuable customer that we can serve better than anyone else in our industry, in our category. And it's about defining that niche, the vertical, the segment that you use. So how, by the way, do you use OKRs on another tool? And if you use OKRs on, on another tool, how do you ensure that you don't get distracted, that you really understand what is your niche? Yeah. Um crucial and probably one of the most critical uh, areas um, um, of advice and learning is around prioritization, focus, uh, and making sure that you have a common goal uh, and a goal that everybody in the organization uh, is very familiar with and, and working towards. Um, all very easy things to say, um, but absolutely essential that you do do this. Uh, this, is a, this is the bit of advice that you've got to, you've got to follow. Um, have everybody moving in the right direction with a common purpose and everybody understanding uh, why, why they exist in the organization and what success looks like. Um, we don't call them OKRs, um, but it is effectively exactly that uh, philosophy that underpins what we do do. We, we have um, a performance uh, assessment tool um, uh, which is called we call PAT, P-A-T. It's uh, our internal uh, tool that actually developed uh, with our team over the last um, 10, 10 years or so. Um, and effectively, what that entails us doing is that both Megan and I have agreed um, the board metrics, so the key metrics for the board. Um, now, those metrics are, uh, in our case, um, designed to take us from uh, this particular funding round to make sure that we are in the right place for the next funding round. Um, so we have a number of these kinds of metrics. Then uh, the idea is that we flow those down, uh, um, not everybody carrying those same objectives clearly, but we flow those down in a way that everybody in the organization if they're delivering on their objectives, enables us to deliver on our objective, which is the um, is how is the logic. Um, so how that works is that um, we we everybody has five um, objectives, and each objective can carry um, uh, three uh, three sorry five objectives, which are effectively the goals in, in the in the kind of OKR uh, type world. And then the, you know the tactics there are what we call them tactics. There are three tactics for each of the five uh, objectives that the individual has. So um, in our case, I, 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 I write Megan's and Megan's writes mine and then we agree ours. Cool. Um, and then from that point, um, the way we're structured is that um, sales and finance directly report into me and operations and products directly report into Megan. Um, so we then, interpret those objectives into those teams. So what does finance need to do to help myself hit my objectives of sales and vice versa? 
product and operations for Megan to hit her objectives. And then it cascades down where each line manager is passing down, uh, not the responsibility, but new objectives that all together enable. Does that make sense? And that's, that's kind of how we, we've structured it. And, and Megan, do you have anything? Yeah, no, just to add that um, the, there's an art to that. It's, it's a, uh, a methodology that has worked with some part, but the art is about not making those, um, each of those objectives too specific because then we need flexibility in our business. Uh, we need to stay focused on the goal, but on a weekly basis, we need flexibility to make sure people are able to make the right decisions. So the goals really aren't about directional do this. The goals are um, uh, remember that your the aim is that we can achieve this level of resolution rate or this level of response time or this level. It's not about, it's not a how. Um, and that's really important. And that's actually quite hard when I work down with the managers who are lower down in the business to get them thinking like that. So we spend a lot of time with them to help them understand the, um, the art of goal translation, I guess, so that people feel like they can be empowered to make the right decisions uh, as opposed to being directed to behave in a certain way. And uh, finally, they're quarterly. Yeah. So uh, we're not doing this for a whole year. Moves, everything moves too fast. So, um, and that process that we've um, talked through you know, that can take a couple of weeks, so it wouldn't be meaningful to do it monthly, but quarterly uh, is, is our cycle. But it's, it's, it, it makes all sense. And um, what is the system in place? So, uh, of course, you'd be talking about already some of the meeting rhythms that you use to track progress and to make decisions. Um, and what is the system in place that you have for this? And, and second, uh, do you have any special meeting rhythm apart from the most uh, common ones like the the weeklies the dailies the monthlies the quarterlies or the all ends that you kind of are using in your organization that is being extremely useful so another founders and uh, ceos in, in 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 the show can also start trying to apply and, and benefiting from from your experience um, yeah a couple of things yeah do you want to give one yeah, um, well, actually, I, I'm not sure which one you're going to oh, say, so I'll well, give one. And then, <laughs> then I might try the other. <laughs> so, one I was going to share, which I think might be um, uh, slightly different, is it's really about open communication. And I, Roger and I are aware of away a lot, you know, we're, we, we aren't visible in the office all the time. We're very conscious of the impact that can have, having been a very dominant kind of um, feature in the organization for a number of years and now actually we're out visiting our clients, prospecting as many conferences on a global basis. So, um, and for me it's important that people still feel close to us, to the vision, you know, we're still at that stage of business. So actually we, we make, um, whilst we're out on those roadshows effectively, we make it our mission to informally communicate what we're doing, who we're meeting and share that and we obviously we use a number of different communication tools in the business, so, um, uh, so messaging platforms etc and make sure that's coming back and then allowing people, even though they're not with us, to feel part of that journey because we get hugely excited and inspired by all those amazing engagements but I'm very cognizant of the fact that back here it's uh, the same day, day in, day out, they're really working super hard, working really hard on developing everything. They don't get to experience what we do. So trying to bring that to life for them is for us a really important part of 
communication, albeit it's not hugely formal. Yeah, um, and I, I think um, it, it's not necessarily a revolutionary idea, but we do use show and tells, and I think that's a really, uh, in addition to, because we do do all of the things that you were mentioning, um, the, the town hall uh, monthly uh, for the business, and uh, we have weekly leadership meetings, and all of those various cycles. Um, I wouldn't downplay or underestimate that for the, again, you know, for, for the audience. Uh, I, I, they are massively important um, if you're not doing if you like those regular, uh, they, you know, the the, um, the weekly um, leadership meeting with your team, because you you know very much part of um, if you like the OKR type process is that you you absolutely need to make sure that you've got that kind of uh, in their work, you know, help a very healthy team, and that comes through communication, right. uh, the ability to debate. Um, but the show and tells absolutely really helpful. Um, because what we find is that the teams are all doing amazing things and it's really important to take uh, time to celebrate and to share that across, across the other teams, uh, to bring unity, to bring understanding, uh, wow factors, uh, so that's really cool. Um, if you have more than one founder and if there are two or three of you, then make sure that you meet regularly. Um, you know, Megan and I are uh, meeting very, very regularly and uh, make sure that we are aligned. Um, we kind of, 18 years kind of feels that we <laughs> don't ever take that for granted. Um, and uh, we, you know, that, that's another key point. Yeah, and I think the other thing, when new people join the business, you know, people, when people join at different stages of the organization's growth, development, what we're working on, um, you know, there are different things going on and it's important that they still get to understand why we founded the business. So we're very focused on everyone's early life journey with the organization to get that same experience. Um, and that's one-on-one -on -one time with us, that's understanding our vision and our mission. And also knowing that, you know, we're still small, they can still come to us at any point with any questions. Um, whilst we do have quite a structured hierarchy because we do like people to, sh to see the opportunity of progression, um, as opposed to, uh, alternative businesses that may have very flat hierarchy we, we like people to be able to see what's the next step on the ladder but that doesn't apply to communication and accessibility to us so and that's a really important thing for us is that we know we can offer that open communication but in a structured environment oh and sorry two more uh, <laughs> every month uh everyone's new because you know fast moving uh business we're adding uh, new employees are joining uh every month uh, so Megan and I um, meet, and anyone that joins each month, and we have lunch um, just just for an hour, in a, you know, just just around the corner from from the office. Um, we we make, make sure to welcome everybody um, and talk about you know find out about them and, and talk about the vision, answer their questions, uh, and then the other thing that is uh, very very good to do. It, it's been done by others, but it, it, it's the the warm up meeting on a Monday morning. We, we you know. Um, so 15 minutes, you know, what are we doing this week? What are the big things? What are the big initiatives? Um, it's not a big presentation. It's literally standing around, um, just get, you know, as it's called the warm up, uh, and away we go for the week. That's a very, very, very good one, uh, for everyone who is listening to the show to, to implement. Um, and we have been discussing the, the team, the importance of the team, the importance of strategy, focus, prioritization, uh, 
the importance of execution and keeping the ball moving forward, keeping everyone on the same page. Uh, and, and we come to the, to the moment of the show where we discuss one of the critical ingredients of scaling, which is cash. So if we run out of cash, we are out of business. And you were saying before, when we were discussing strategy and, and focus, that part of your uh, prioritization is based on the different milestones you need to achieve in order to um, raise uh, funds in good uh, conditions. Some of the tools that we have available in the market nowadays to define those milestones, and one of those is the SaaS napkin from Christoph Jens of Point9 Capital. Uh, another one is the triple two times, double three times rule from uh, Matrix uh, Partners, or if I'm not wrong, from uh, Hagral. I always forget the, the name of, of, of this investor who wrote this article. Um, do you really believe that in order to keep in the, this game of venture capital and of kind of raising the next round, we really need to double and triple every single year or do you have a slightly different opinion? Uh, great question, question. But, uh, <laughs> for two founders. Um, um, I think that there's, there's a couple of different answers that I, I could give to that question uh, as well as your, 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 your different perspectives. Um, mine would be that they are, I'm afraid, quite real in terms of how you can be judged. Um, so whether you agree or disagree, um, <laughs> the hard reality is that you need to understand those metrics. What I would say, uh, then I'd flip to what I, I believe, which is I don't think it makes you a bad business um, to be growing at a different pace than hyperscale. Good. So, not every business is going to be a unicorn. Not every business is going to be uh, scaling at different stages at hyperscale. And I think it's nuanced. And I think it is a shame that um, often VCs um, can't, you know, and not all, but you know, don't necessarily. You can't just apply the same rule book to a B to C to a B to B. And I'm not suggesting that they don't understand that, but the metrics, for example, if I apply Limitless, you know, Limitless is um, a, a platform that enables enterprise businesses to crowdsource customer service and engagement uh, by onboarding um, crowds of product users, experts, whether they come from their customer base or their third party partners or even their employee bases. It's a it's it's a crowdsourcing. It's in the B two B enterprise space. Right. We are transforming an industry. Before we started, nobody had conceived the idea of being able to do this. Fears around, rightly so, around security, data protection, quality, uh, how you can achieve what we've achieved. So the point there is that it's very difficult to scale triple triple. Triple, double, double. Um, right. Um, or at that million point, I would say we are absolutely going to hyperscale, but there is a point where the market is absolutely ready for our proposition. And that might actually take a little bit longer before there's a, an inflection point. In fact, it will do, and there's going to be um, in, in, our, in our nuanced uh, position. So. Uh, hopefully there's uh, some logical answers there, but I would say that 
you need to track the metrics because the, we've trodden the path to many doors of the VCs, both on the, in the US, East and West Coast, and Europe, and they come back to the same scaling metrics with the same questions on the same list. And if you want success, you need to be able to speak the language. Um, and uh, the better you do that, um, <laughs> the better you are. Yeah, I think just to build on to that, really, our experience is that um, if you have a good business, that's clearly recognized. If you have a good product market fit, that's clearly recognized, even if it is early in the education of an industry of a new way of working. Um, and if you have a great team that are able to execute on the concept and the product market fit, then absolutely um, there is no challenge in getting funding. And really then it's just about the process you go through to negotiate the best deal for yourself as founders and on behalf of your other investors. And I guess the learning from us is that absolutely everything is negotiable. So make sure you have um, options on the table uh, not just one, make sure you've got more than one. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't, then really need to think about your product market fit and your concept. Um, and then really that's the point that really you've got uh, the best opportunity to, uh, to make the business successful. That's very, very, very good point. And, um, and we are coming to the end of the show and with one of our very favorite uh, questions, which is if you would have the opportunity uh, to meet yourself uh, when you were starting Limitless, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? So very shortly, uh, and Megan, if you, if you want to start or... Um, yeah, I think it's it's really hard to reflect, isn't it, and go back. And think. <laughs> um, I think I would have been more bold. I think um, I think you know, knowing that we've got a great product now, um, being stronger with people about some of the threats of competition in the early days, knowing what the, the, the passion, the strength, the domain experience that we have um, to make it successful is just having more confidence in yourselves, actually. That's probably uh, what I would uh, tell myself. Um, and also, you know, we've chosen to do this at a time of our lives when, you know, we did have 25 years experience. Um, and actually, I think that's working out really well for us because I would echo and encourage lots of other people who are different stages of their life who may be thinking, do I really want to start up a business right now? You can do it anytime. Do it in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Just go for it. And if you have that true passion, you'll make it work. It's very encouraging. Roger? Yeah. Um, I think don't be afraid to celebrate every small win because you will have lots of things that you worry about continuously. So celebrate every small win and don't worry about doing that. Um, people will always, it's old advice, but I would be telling myself this, protect your equity. Absolutely. <laughs> um, don't undersell yourself at any point. If you believe in it, make sure you get the very best deal. Uh, don't give away that equity. Um, I mean, one of the things that's worked really well for us is we've not, um, we have an amazing group of angel investors over 20 of them, as well as big VCs that are invested in us. 
they are effectively a network of uh, people that are helping us. They're all from around the industry. Uh, they've all paid for their equity at the, at the rate of each round uh, and been very happy to do so. It's a great model. Don't be convinced by people that want uh, equity for free. Um, it, it, the strike rate of success is not always, uh, it's not always uh, assured. And then lastly, linking into Megan's point, um, no matter how experienced or confident, et cetera, uh, you are, I, I, well, we both uh, share this, um, you always have this self-doubt and worry, and it's linking into Megan's point around confidence. Uh, all I would say is that's very normal. Don't worry if you're having um, self-doubt, uh, worried about how other people perceive you. It is the curse of the founders. Um, you're in, we're all in that same boat. I, I actually encourage you to talk to other founders, tell them how you're feeling and um, get a bit of comfort from, from sharing uh, that uh, with other people that have experienced the same as you. Oh, this is huge value uh, to the audience and I, I really love this last one. Uh, be careful with, with self-doubt. I think it happens to every single one of us. And I think that sometimes uh, the founder decides to step back um, too soon and uh, he, he or she is the right person to keep leading the company. So that's, that's really someone that totally resonates uh, with me. Megan and Roger, it was really a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to our community, thanks for being on that side. You know that we are always uh, looking for feedback to make this show better for you. So you scale as fast as possible from 2 million to 100 million ARR. So feel free to send me an email to mike at scaleupvalley.com to let us know what topics and what guests might add more value to you in the future. So keep scaling and thanks again for being on that side. Mm -hmm.